I think for doctors, our biggest wealth generating tool is our income. Cause you know, we spent a lot of time, energy and money getting it. And the more you take your time away from it, whether you got to deal with tenants or properties or whatever, the, un unless you're in a group or something to where you don't have to be there, but me being a, a solo practitioner, if I take time away from here, then that my income goes down. So that's why I like the passive route because I can stay focused. You know, the income stays the same, uh, focus on getting better because the more money you make, you know, the, the, you know, you go to these different C, you know, different CME courses and all these different courses to better yourself. You come, you, you provide more value. You're able to charge more. And the more you make, the more you can invest passively. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. My guest on this week's podcast is Jeff Anzalone, a practicing periodontist and educating other clinicians on his blog, Debt-Free Doctor, sharing what he has learned to help others. Please join me to listen in why he started investing, lessons learned through owning his own property, and passive investing in commercial real estate. Jeff, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. Thank you for uh, having me. Looking forward to it. Well, why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you came from a practicing physician and then into the journey of a physician investor? Yeah, actually, I um, it all started about two weeks before I finished my training um, at LSU. And I was supposed to come back with a group practice here in uh, Louisiana, but um, the deal fell through. So we had uh, $300,000 in student loan debt, a two-month-old. And unfortunately, we'd already bought a home interest only because the banker knew the group I was going to go in with. So he's like, oh, yeah, you're good for it. So it's like, you know, they don't teach you how to do anything as far as running a practice in school. So that was the worst part. So that really put me behind the eight ball of not knowing what to do. But luckily, uh, another guy kind of heard what happened. He took me under his wing. But um the, the, you know, kind of the worst part was, you know, during that, those first couple of years, I had to do whatever it could, you know, I could to make ends meet. So I had to go back to what I used to do in high school and, and mow yards. So I was probably the most highly trained yard guy, <laughs> you know, in the country. <clears throat> so, um, but you got to do what you got to do, you know, for your family. Yeah. But back then, the only financial advice I had had gotten before was Dave Ramsey. So, um, I, followed his seven baby steps. And then after about seven and a half years, we had gotten out of debt, paid off the house. And then it was kind of like, all right, now what? But it took a snow skiing accident to really get me going towards real estate. And um, in front of me and I swerved when I fell, you know, I put my hands down, my wrists bent backwards. 
And that was the first time I was thought to myself, if I can't work and use my hands, how am I going to provide for my family? So that was a point that I really knew that I was, I was operating very in a, in a risky way, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do, but I started researching and I, and there's all kinds of, as you know, there's all kinds of information out there, but two main facts stood out to me, which really helped me stay focused on what I should do. Number one, over 90% of millionaires had real estate in their portfolio. At that time I had zero. And number two, the majority of millionaires have anywhere from three to seven streams of income. They only had one. So that showed me that I, I needed to focus on uh, getting multiple streams of income from real estate. Well, I'm excited to interview you because, um, you know, I, I want to direct any physician investors out there to your website, you know, following this interview, because I, I think it has a ton of information and you've done a, a lot of work and made it relative to them. And I could, you know, we can make this interview a lot longer, but um, we both have other things to do. So I want to focus on your blog, on your website, you know, with regard to medical office real estate and why doctors sell their buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to point out that there's a ton of other uh, valuable information on there. So, you know, in this blog, you, uh, you talk about the 10 reasons to sell your medical office building. And you actually did that with my friend, uh, Ben Reinberg, and you outline, you know, why a practitioner may want to sell their real estate to include, and I'm completely summarizing here, the property management, ownership responsibilities, debt service, partnerships, conflict of interest between maximizing your practice operation with equipment um, versus building maintenance and ready to offload an asset and plan for retirement. Would you say that all of these issues surround a go-forward plan where a physician needs to purchase real estate for their operation with the exit strategy in mind before they purchase it? Yeah, I, I would think so. I think that's real important uh, for sure. Um, sometimes they, you know, sometimes they may not own the building. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't really think about that they could sell it ahead of time, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's always things to think about. That's just a, this. That's just another inc- potential income stream, you know, that you could get while you're still practicing. Well, all of the points you mentioned are are very valid. You know, when a when a clinician wants to purchase, own, and operate the real estate that they occupy with their practice, <clears throat> and um, you know, I want to kind of drill down on a few of these. So, I see a lot of physician and investors, and they look at property. They're either looking for opportunistic properties where they want to buy very value add and fix it up, lease it to themselves, and uh, and or, you know, a couple other medical tenants and hold it. Um, they're looking, you know, at it from a own versus lease analysis because of their build out costs for tenant improvements, uh, where they want to get the economic benefit of their own tenancy. And then they need to expand into a new market and there is an existing inventory. So they have to pretty much build their own building. And then some just want to, you know, some hear that they just, they must own their property because you always want to own versus rent to build equity. I think I try to do the approach where, you know, it's not an all or nothing approach, but um, I do try to have them go into it on a more offensive than a defensive strategy where, you know, and even some of the most savvy ones take it the next step and, you know, proactively use their real estate as an as a incredible financial tool. And they, they, they buy and then they sell and then they use tax deferred exchanges, joint ventures, and they rinse and repeat. With that thought in mind, exit strategies, so growth and expansion, economic benefit and profit, retirement and sale of the practice. When you have purchased real estate, what are some of the reasons that you have done it? And have you thought about what you're 
going to plan to do and have, you know, a hold period or, or thought about your exit strategy before you bought it? Yeah, mo- most of the, the majority of the, the real estate that I'm currently in is in the passive real estate, like syndications. And typically uh, those have a hold period and they have, they have a whole sector of those in medical office buildings that typically if you were to invest in that, it would, it would typically would have like, you would know the, the whole period before you got in, whether it's five-year whole period or 10-year whole period, you know, something like that. So that you would know how much a minimum amount to invest. You would know kind of what your return would be over that. Let's say it's 10-year whole period, what to expect over that 10-year whole period, what the depreciation would look like, you know, with what they were going to be using, how it could offset the passive income. And then when they plan on selling it, what they were, what they were projecting the, the sale would be. So you would kind of know what your initial investment is like, would be like, would, if you put in a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000, would that double, would that triple, whatever. So that you, you would know, typically you would know a lot of these things before you did that with these different types of syndications. Well, and that brings up a, a good point because, um, you know, that's a passive and then there's the active where if you own it, you have to manage the property management and there's a lot of ownership responsibility. So are the syndications attractive to you because you didn't want to basically be, you know, managing it as an owner actively? Yeah. What now I own my own building right now and, and probably people listening to this, they, they may own their own building or in a partnership where they own their own building. So that's, you know, that's one way that you could potentially use, you know, so you could sell actually, you know, as you know, you could sell your building before you retire and start getting a return on it. I do know some people that will sell their practice to another doctor or a group of doctors, but they'll keep the building themselves. And then, you know, they can have the new tenants rent. You know, a lot of times you need to make sure you put it in the contract that as soon as they buy your practice, they're not going to move, you know, so that, you know, you're, at least you're going to have a, a tenant. Right. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, for me, um, with, you know, I, I think for doctors, our biggest wealth generating tool is our income. Cause you know, we spend a lot of time, energy and money getting it. And the more you take your time away from it, whether you got to deal with tenants or properties or whatever, the, un- unless you're in a group or something to where you don't have to be there, but me being a solo practitioner, if I take time away from here, then that my income goes down. So that's why I like the passive route because I can stay focused. You know, the income stays the same, uh, focus on getting better because the more money you make, you know, the, the, you know, you go to these different C, you know, different CME courses and all these different courses to better yourself. You, you, you provide more variable to charge more and the more you make, the more you can invest passively. Now I, I do know that some people start off on this route and then as they get older, uh, they transition into more active, but, but just because they want to be more involved and that's fine. But, um, I, I think I'll, I'm seeing a, more and more doctors now that are busy and they're trying to replace their active income with this passive income. Well, let's talk about property management and ownership responsibilities. Cause, um, would you, so your current building, do you have a professional property manager? Well, my, um, I, I, I have, um, yeah, I've got one that will come over and, you know, 
but, but my building really isn't that big, you know, so it doesn't really take a lot of upkeep and maintenance and property management, but most of the groups that I talk to, they do have a property manager. Yeah. And that's one of the things, um, if a doctor is going to act, you know, take a, buy a property and, and be an active investor is, um, you know, I, I, if their plan is to continue to practice medicine, I strongly encourage them to, to you know, hire these professionals that can, mm-hmm. you know, meet with vendors during the day, um, and, and manage a lot of those. Uh, and now the, in the different syndications that I'm in that have, that are self-storage that are hotels that are apartments, you know, they, they all have their own property management and, you know, that's all hired for them. So then that way you don't have to deal with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about debt service, which, so when you went to go purchase your, your building, did you buy it cash or did you get a, get some, a loan on it? A, A loan on it. And did you do SBA or conventional? Um, at, I did SBA at the time. Yeah. And so, um, you know, SBA is very favorable for healthcare practitioners. They love them, you know, just they're the high income earners that they are, mm-hmm. um, they're good risk. And, you know, I, I know during COVID they have, they had a lot of breaks on fees and, and whatnot, but I, I do think that it's a, a good option. And then, you know, so your syndication is a good example of, you know, partnerships, you know, LLCs. And, uh, where there's the syndic, the sponsor is, is the general partner. And then, you know, you guys are all limited partners. Have you done any medical office, um, syndications and partnerships in medical office? I'm currently, uh, vetting two groups right now that, that we're looking at, uh, doing. Um, and I do know that these, um, like these ASC centers, these surgical centers are really, really becoming more popular as you know, right now. So that's a, another, uh, you know, asset class that I'm definitely looking into as well. And what do you think about, um, the, you know, these sale leasebacks, that's where, you know, you mentioned how doctors can get out of the real estate, you know, before they're, they're done retiring. Um, and that's really attractive in the market right now. And I see a lot of them and what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, the, from the people that I've spoken with that have done it, they've been very pleased and happy. Uh, as long, kind of like when it, whenever you're investing in a syndication, it's always finding that group that you can trust and really doing. Your own. And uh, and I know with with Ben's group, you had mentioned uh, they of that, uh, and that's all they do. They're just focused on that. So I, I think it's really important to find the the group that. Um, you can trust and has, you know, make sure you talk with people that have uh, done the work with them. You know, that's how you can perform your due diligence, make sure that what they were promising up front that they delivered as far as returns and service and that sort of things. I think that's really important as well. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to go into uh, the part of the interview where we get to know you a little bit for the listeners. But before I do that, do you have anything else to add, like any success stories or lessons learned that you want to share with some other physicians that might be looking to move into real estate investing? I would, you know, I, I always tell people from all, and probably you can attest to this too, 99% of the time, the real estate investors that I've met, they always said, well, I always got started with the mindset shift, you know, and, and it really takes you thinking differently about money and how you're making money. And, and two of the books that, that did that for me was Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But 
But even more than that was his follow-up uh, book, The Cashflow Quadrant. And man, once I read that, it was just like, I'm so stupid. You know, I'm just, all I'm doing you know, as, as a self-employed doctor, all I am is just a, a glorified employee because if I'm not there treating patients, I'm not getting paid. But that, that's what we're taught. You know, we're, we're taught to, if you want to make more money, you, you see more patients, you work longer hours, you, you, uh, you work more shifts, right? And that, um, that's just our mentality. And then we go to, to Christmas parties at the end of the year. And, and the, the way that we uh, boast about ourselves is we talk about how much taxes we paid each year. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like we're, we're stupid. And, I used, and, you know, and, and I used to be in the same boat. And now it's just like, I want to tell people I pay zero in taxes and right. I don't hardly see any patients. And they're like, well, how do you do that? It's like real estate. So again, the cash flow quadrant, it's all about not how much you make, but it's how you make money. Mm-hmm. And until, and until you can start thinking that way, you're, you're never going to change. You're just going to keep giving your money to a financial advisor and a 401k. And you're going to have to work until you're 65 or 70. And if you want access to your money, to your money, you have to pay a fee and tax on it. Right. No, thanks. <laughs> so what has been the most fun real estate investment you've done so far? Um, I would say it's, it was an apartment complex in North Carolina. And I, and I had a, a, an old IRA that I wasn't doing anything with just traditional IRA. So I opened up a self-directed IRA, moved some money out of the traditional IRA into it. And then I was able to, you know, with the self-directed IRA, you could invest in whatever you want. So I invested in this apartment building and it was projected to hold for five years, double our money over five years, got an email, um, 22 months later, the group said they got an offer they couldn't refuse. So I, we, we got our returns in less than two years instead of five. So that was, that was pretty nice. Uh, seeing, seeing those returns, uh, good luck getting that in the stock market. Right. <laughs> that is a great story. Yeah. So you've told us a little bit about, uh, your, your lawn mowing, but was that your first job, uh, when you were younger? Um, yeah, my, uh, I started when I was 12, my, my dad would help me, you know, he had a pickup truck and we would get the, you know, the push mower, he'd put it in the back of his truck and, um, he would have let me do the mowing, but he would do the weed eating, you know, rocks or something to, to shoot up a quote dangerous part. But, um, yeah, that was, that was my first, uh, uh, job. And I learned that I really liked not working for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I was in, uh, in all that, that performance pay too. So, you know, when, when you're young, you know, you, you have, you can either work, you know, fast food or in retail for minimum wage, or you can do like, you know, what you're doing and say, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to mow X amount of lawns and, um, you know, a couple during the week and, you know, you have control of your schedule and also, you know, in that sense, when you're young and don't know about investing yet, the more you work, the more you can get. <laughs> exactly. So what else can you see yourself doing for a living? Um, my, you know, I'm 47 right now. And um, my goal is to transition out of practice in five years or less. I, I really like real estate and educating. Um, probably will start being a little more active, maybe doing some um, uh, co-general partnerships with some of these groups 
and really, uh, you know, I, I really connect with the doctor community because, you know, I um, know their pain points because I've dealt with them too. And um, just continue to grow that side of it. What, what or who do you, are you reading or listening to for news information or inspiration? Um, I, I'd read my Bible every morning. I think that's, that's what keeps me guided and uh, in, in life. Uh, you can learn a lot in Proverbs, whether you're a believer or not, from uh, life lessons, especially financial lessons um, in there, a, a lot about investing and, and uh, that sort of thing. I, um, there's, there's several podcasts and, um, you, I'm, I've kind of gotten more away from podcasts and I'm more, uh, YouTube now, just because I like to be able to see, you know, you make that connection when you see people, you know, like this, you can, uh, there's just something about it besides reading an article or or listening. And, And that's why I started a YouTube channel last year, just because I was doing more of it. And it seems like as soon as you sign up or something, you know, whether it's a, uh, medical office investing or whatever, you know, they'll interview somebody. And then if I like them and they have a resource or a site, it, then I, I'll go and subscribe to them. And then it's just kind of like a, uh, you kind of go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, you know? So that's, that's kind of how I, f- I find my information like that. I like that. What is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? I, I, um, work out five to six days a week or play tennis with my kids. So always, always stay active as much as possible. Absolutely. So, um, so I have two, um, final questions and I'm going to do both of them on you because you're, you know, you're an investor and then, you know, you are a practicing periodontist as well, but are leaders born or trained in your opinion? I think they're trained. I like that. For sure. Um, are, do you think clinicians are born with the desire to, to help patients, um, or they, they learn kind of the, the healing side and bedside manner through medical education and training? I, I think they learn from examples and that's, that's kind of how I got involved. I had a, a, when I was seven years old, I was in a, 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 had a bad burn and I had to go through skin grafting and two to three weeks in a hospital. And I actually had to learn how to walk again. And that, and I still remember that plastic surgeon to this day. And that's what really inspired me, you know, seeing how much time he took and patience and all that. So I learned and modeled from him, which, which has kind of helped me as, as I've grown to, you know, my practice and started treating patients. That's kind of like the answer to your first question that uh, people are trained. Yep. <laughs> Well, Jeff, this has been a wonderful interview. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you being here and love all the stuff you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.